Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. And I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. Think of the children! I went to the doctor. your trade franchise goodbye you have chosen why hi barbie welcome hi, to <laughs> i get more response hi barbie hi barbie welcome to a very special episode of kiss your franchise goodbye we are doing andy's request for his birthday movie and this year it is the barbie movie um in honor of and respect of the Barbie movie, you have a full cast of Barbies here with you this evening. So first, I'd like every Barbie to turn to the other Barbie next to her and tell her why you love her. And secondly, I would love for all of us Barbies to come together and introduce yourselves. We have with us our returning champion. Uh, Melissa, would you like to say any special Barbie name for yourself? Um, I'm Mexican Barbie because that's what I fucking wanted growing up and I never got it. <laughs> well, welcome, Mexican Barbie. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, welcome to the podcast. I know you were with us before and I will forever remember you as the bell loving <laughs> guest that we've had with us. But what would your special Barbie be? Uh, I guess in that same vein, I would be a uh, bookish Barbie. Bookish Barbie. I love it. She worked um, hard, and she deserved that award. <laughs> <laughs> and our other panelist that is back with us again this week, Kit, welcome. Oh, thank you. What um, would your Barbie be? I am, I guess, technically weird Barbie. But if, but if I could be non-binary Barbie, that would be, like, my dream come true. Because that also better. does not exist in the, in the real world. Which is ironic, considering that they have none of the genitals. Yeah. And then, as a very special guest, we also have with us today my own little skipper, um, my daughter Prudence. Prudence, what would your Barbie be? Hi, Barbie. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I do not know. I would be maybe Weird Barbie. Weird Barbie. 
Well, and I am Brooke. I'm back here again. And I would definitely be ordinary Barbie. Um, not only is she going to make money, but I feel like that's a perfect summation of, of the ending of that movie. So uh, welcome. I would, I'd love to open it up and just have people tell us your, your thoughts on the intro to this movie. Let's just start at the beginning. I was shocked at the beginning. Um, for me, the the narrator saying um, that it got old playing with babies, or, or what did she say? Um, it was only fun for a little while. You can yeah. ask your mom. Yeah, that, I mean, we're like a minute into the movie, and I'm like, whoa. Like, so relatable. <laughs> and I don't have kids, okay? But... Look, most of the moms I know love, love, love their kids, but they, they tell you like, never get married. <laughs> like when they're being honest, you know, don't get married just to have kids, you know, uh, wait to have kids. If you're going to have them, like they would have done things differently, you know, and some of them sometimes, you know, they, they regret it. Not always, you know, not all the time usually but sometimes they're like damn you know what what might have happened if i'd waited or not had any and it it felt like that was almost like a warning shot like okay all people are welcome here even the ones who maybe don't have kids or are frustrated by motherhood because it's hard you know and I don't know. I did not expect that. Like I knew coming in, it's a greater Gerwig movie. So it's supposed to have like feminist undertones, but I was not expecting that. Well, I don't, I don't have kids either. Um, but I, I felt it so relatable on a literal level. Cause I, I didn't play with dolls, like baby dolls for very long. But once I got into Barbie, I got into Barbie hardcore because I watched a lot of soap operas. And so I would like reenact uh, car chase scenes and, you know, wake, breaking up weddings and stuff. And um, I think also because I became an aunt at like the age of 10 and my sister had kids, I knew right then I, I didn't want any. So it was just me and Barbie for a long time. I watched that little girl with the glasses start smashing all of her baby dolls on the ground. And I felt like that was one of the most relatable things I'd ever seen. <laughs> Growing up as a kid with glasses and like, I have an entire, like, you know, those U-Haul wardrobe boxes that they make for moving. And they're like the really tall ones that you can hang all your clothes in. I have one of those in my mom's storage unit still. She won't get rid of it. And it's full of all of my old dolls, my Cabbage Patch dolls, my bar. Well, I wasn't allowed Barbie dolls except for Skipper because they were also considered pornographic. So I was only allowed the baby dolls. Like I have a huge box full of Cabbage Patch dolls and like My Little Ponies. And all of them are destroyed in some way or another. Like we, I don't think it was playing too hard. I think it was intentional destruction. <laughs> I think calling it playing too hard is a, is a little bit of a, a gift. But um, so when I watched her like beating the dolls and wanting something else to play with that, that resonated. I, and I, you know, I have, I think I might be the only one on the podcast who has a kid and she's here with me. And I waited till I was 32 to have her because I just had so many other things I wanted to do. 
did any of you um, relate to wanting Barbie dolls specifically to play with? Did that resonate with you? Yeah, I love Barbies. I had like the pink Corvette and the Barbie dream house really? and Barbie McDonald's and, but I mean, I'm, I also played Transformers with my brother and He-Man and I had She-Ra and my little, I mean, I just, I love creating stories. So I had all sorts of toys because I'm a writer. <laughs> um, I definitely really wanted Barbies when I was younger. I had this thing where I was obsessed with uh, beauty and it's like now I now I talk about the beauty standard a lot and I think it's largely related to that because um, like I didn't just want Barbies to to like play with them but like yeah my my Barbies were you know running insurrections and spy missions uh, and stuff like we were watching on TV um, but you know we also had the Barbie McDonald's which I think I played with once before I got bored with it and I was like <laughs> Seriously, who wants to work at McDonald's? <laughs> it was a terribly judgmental five-year-old. I love the teeny tiny hamburgers, though. They were just so cute. They were. I mean, it was it was beautifully done as a playset. I think I just was like, I had very specific ideas about Barbie being like running. I want. I did want to say that I think Barbie was the president and like had two seats on the Senate for a very long time. And Ken's got like one seat on the Senate. They were like Delaware, where they, you know, well, I guess they Delaware gets two <laughs> seats. Um, they were just very represented in my um, in my civil government of of my bedroom. Um, but I I also though I I have to say like I never hated my baby dolls. Like I I played with my Cabbage Patch Kids I think almost as long as I played with my Barbies. But that's because they were all doing like rock concerts and flips and you know flips and kicks and like i think the the cabbage patch kids could definitely take some they could take some uh hardcore playing where barbies like i don't think i never thought i could play with them too hard but they ended up frizzy or naked for it's not, not like i had some lascivious like i'm gonna take barbie's clothes off the clothes just like got destroyed really i remember really too easily um, which is one of the reasons I learned to sew and that they were never the same. <laughs> I love that. I learned at a very young age with Cabbage Patch dolls that if you stepped on their face and it wouldn't pop back out, that you could put it on warm in the oven and it would come back up. On <gasps> Magical. <laughs> Dark. How did you figure that out? I like oh what, how would that even enter your mind to put a doll in an oven well it was a hard plastic and it wouldn't pop out so to warm it up would make it looser my grandmother made me an imitation cabbage patch doll for christmas and my brother stomped its face to teach me a lesson and, oh my god this is how we figured it out so um well so then going into that first scene of the movie how did you guys feel about like seeing her in the dream house and her being like lifted down and taken onto because nobody uses the stairs when you're playing in Barbie land. I yeah, think don't have that it was hilarious. I agree. I, I thought it was perfect. It was like every Barbie commercial 
from when I was a kid. Like selling you and on the dream house and stuff. I love how after she says, do you guys ever think about death? And then everybody stops. Um, in the music before, it was like, um, it was like P and I and, and, and K. Um, but then after, it was like P, painful, I. It was, it was just perfect. It was perfect. I, I would like to talk about the dance party at the beginning before she says, do you ever think about death? Um, but does anyone have any like thoughts about the introduction of Ken and how he's just waiting for someone to say, or for Barbie to say hi to him? It made me profoundly sad because it, it's, I think the um, part of the, the gender role for women is what we saw in Ken a lot throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that fragility and competition. And so like the whole idea that he felt like he didn't exist until she came and looked at him. It's like, oh my gosh, that's very bright and prejudice right there. <laughs> like he only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. I, I thought the way that they just depicted it though was really interesting because like, we were watching it obviously as this like switch of roles, but when they were at the the actual dance party itself and, and he was sitting there all angsty and like waiting to his turn to be able to get in and do the dance. And, and then as soon as he got in and she looked at him and he was like, yes, I did it. And he started doing his part of the dancing and things um, that felt very true to life still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's this sense of validation that um, I think leads to a lot of internal anger. And I, I thought it was like, I think the fact that Mattel like, or that they, they kicked off the movie, like without any apologies, right. We're immediately going to talk about moms wanting to, to not be moms and playing with dolls for a certain amount of time. And these, these different, like they, there's no apologies in this movie whatsoever. And I think that that part um, showing the reaction there is, I I just felt it very poignant about a lot of aggression, about a lot of the way that our interactions are going. And um, I'd be interested to to hear your guys' thoughts on that, as well as representation during that dance scene. You mean the lack of representation during that dance scene? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did we expect more from that? Did we expect it to be any different, like, for where the movie was starting from? Um. I know you, there are other people, so I'm going to keep this really short. I It was that opening thing where it's like, Barbie could be anything she wants to be. And I was like, except another color or having a different body shape or, you know, anything that, that is not seen as feminine. So, yeah, Barbie can be anything she wants to be. <clears throat> um, and so seeing that, like... At least in the dance scene, I think there was a Barbie in a wheelchair. 
and it's like oh okay so there's about as much representation in this movie as there are in actual barbie dolls and so i can be mad at the movie or i can be mad at mattel um i'll let you guys have more fun talking about the more fun aspects of the dance scene i think yeah um, Melissa kelly so for me um i do wish there was more representation there um i was pretty happy that america ferreira was one of the main stars so we had a latina who was in the real world who had the easily the best speech in the you know in the entire movie and and her daughter too um that made me happy because you know when i said at the beginning that i was mexican barbie you know growing up barbie was very homogenous you know and there were Later, in my later youth, uh, there was like Black Barbies, but not much else. You know, it took a big push for them to finally make Barbies from like around the world, you know, um, and and with, you know, different colors and ethnicities that weren't just all blonde. And that's no offense to the blondes here because, you know, I love you. But, you know, it was it was just very much blonde hair, blue eyed, one kind of shape. And, you know, I, I hated Barbie growing up. I did. I, I, I really hated Barbie. Um, I, you know, but people bought them for me cause they assume that's what little girls want. And so I cut their hair at really short and put magic marker in it. And, uh, you know, just do all kinds of crazy shit to the clothes and stuff. Um, there was only one thing that I didn't, there was like a blue shirt or something. And I thought it looked a little like Spock shirt from Star Trek. So I left that one intact, you know, because I wanted her to be like Spock or something, you know? Um, I really, what I wanted growing up was like Star Trek Barbies, you know, and Ken's that's what I wanted. And I know that just didn't happen. Um, but I hated Barbie growing up. So this movie going in, the only reason why I was excited is because I had read that it was going to be more of a subversion than, you know, celebrating Barbie. And I feel like we kind of got both. And that dance scene was definitely more of like the stuff I hated growing up. Although Issa Rae was in it, and I got to say, Issa Rae, I have a huge crush on her. She's amazing. She's luminous. She was, like, the most beautiful Barbie there in my mind. But um, I, yeah, until she said the part about, have you ever thought about dying? Like, that whole dancing was sort of epitomized a lot of why I hated Barbie growing up, you know? And, and, and just to give you like an idea of my history with Barbie and how frustrating it's been. Like, um, I liked rock music growing up. You know, my family, they listened to a lot of like the Hano and mariachi music and um, country music. And I didn't like any of those that much. Mariachis, yes. The other stuff, no. And uh, I liked rock music. I was the weirdo. And so... I don't know if y'all remember, there was this um, version of Barbie called, um, in the 80s, I think, called Barbie and the Rockers. Yes, I love them. Band. <laughs> so because I liked rock music, they bought me Barbie and the Rockers and their tour bus. 
So like I was like basically made them into like naked weirdos on a tour bus. And so I was like living van life before van life was popular on Instagram, but with Barbies. Um, <laughs> but the, just to, I'm just trying to like, so you guys kind of have a timeline. Barbie was a big part of my youth, but I hated her. <laughs> and um, I mostly loved this movie, but there were times where I was frustrated by it. And um, that was kind of one of them. Yeah. I, um, when mentioning Barbie and the Rockers, I, I always felt like and, and I don't know maybe I read it somewhere that I think that was Barbie's response to Jim and the holograms but I could be wrong but I always thought they were cool but um I I I when I played with Barbies I never felt like Barbie needed to look like me and I never felt like I wanted to look like her um that being said I'm I'm super glad that we do have a lot more variety of Barbies nowadays and that children have those options and adults, if I, I see on TikTok a lot of adults collect Barbies and stuff too. So, um, and I don't remember in the the dance scene how diverse or not diverse it was. Um, I just thought it was a, a bright, bold, colorful scene. And then she stopped everybody in their tracks when she talked about death, and I just thought it was so uh, funny. Um, but the movie definitely, as a whole, could have used more diversity being you know what it what it was um so yeah i guess it didn't bother me one way or the other i think i kind of felt the way that um melissa did so when i grew i mean i didn't i've never had an affection for barbie um what i wasn't allowed to play with her so there wasn't it wasn't there for me um but i definitely grew up with that feeling of the the ideal woman would be like Barbie and it bothered me. And I, I didn't want to see this movie when I heard that it was coming out. In fact, I rolled my eyes and I was like, really a Barbie movie? Are you kidding? And I didn't even give it any more thought than that. Then when my daughter came home and she said, mama, I, I want to go see Barbie movie with you and my cousin and my aunt, and we'll all go together. It's a girl's night. And I was like, Okay. And by then I'd seen some more like advertising and stuff and thought that it was cute. I also, um, because we were a little late getting there, I missed the scene where they were smashing the dolls. So I didn't see that scene until we went back and saw it again last night. And I'm really glad that I saw it because it kind of changes that introduction for me. But so for me, the first time I saw it, the movie just started with her in the dream house. And I was like, yeah, this feels about right. This feels about very stereotypical Barbie. And as I watched it, and as I watched it a second time last night, I felt like um, it seems like they were very aware of the stereotypicalness that they were starting the movie with. It also felt like towards the end of the movie, they kind of progressed into showing more of the other Barbies and not just the blonde Barbies. And they started to have this awareness of, you know, the inequality amongst all of them and how that wasn't serving anyone. And um, I felt like there was just this, this very low hum of this, this method of 
we're going to make everything as stereotypical as possible to make a bigger point towards the end of the movie. And I don't know if anyone else felt that way, um, but the depiction of, I mean, they didn't even talk about how Alan was originally the husband of Midge. And that's why there's only one Alan is because they discontinued Midge and Alan. Um, so I felt like they were kind of like playing to some of these, these themes of let's make everything as stereotypical as possible, which I think is fair because that was what it felt like growing up and then moving into more of a diverse world towards the end of the movie. I don't know if anyone else felt that or not. I think that was very intentional on the part of the filmmakers where like, like I said, the, the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie until she starts talking about her, her, does anybody else have thoughts about death um it felt very much like the the barbie commercials and the cartoons and like that you know barbie lives this very positive life and she has look at her you know beautiful things and she can have anything she wants if your parents or you can afford it um because it's like i was just looking around at like all their dream houses and i'm like we never had a dream house because they were really expensive um and so obviously you know they're not going to have broke naked barbie living out you know in the woods because that's not glamorous at all (laughs) um but i i think like it was definitely part of part of setting the movie up uh was creating that kind of like Hey, we have these little flashes of diversity, but like this is this is what you'll see in like a Barbie commercial or like the 80s. And so I think that that was intentional so that when they brought in like America Ferrera and they had, you know, more speaking lines going to the president and I don't remember the name of the actress off the top of my head who was like um very sparkly and and like had a had a a, a big beautiful body um but yeah i just i i think that the way they used inclusion was much more intentional towards the end of the movie but there's only two types of inclusion so it could have been could have been better yeah and um i feel like by adding the um big girl not to be like that. But um, by adding her in the cast, they were trying to be inclusive and not get hate for not being inclusive. But they could have added way more and be actually inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I'd love to have this run like the, um, the presidential suite of Barbie and have everyone bring up things that they most wanted to like what other parts of the movie did you guys love and and appreciate or not I I appreciate how far they went with the jokes um it because Mattel still had a hand in this and they kind of slammed Mattel like they slammed them for um you know having an all-male board that was making all these decisions for these toys for for girls you know um now in actuality today's mattel board is made up of a mix of men and women but but 
it wasn't that long ago where these boardrooms were almost exclusively men. And I think it kind of harkened back to that time. And so they were really, really um, like just sort of criticizing Mattel in a big way for that. And I was a little shocked. I, I got to say there were several times where this sh the movie shocked me in a good way that they could get away with that considering that Mattel did have a hand in this and they had to give their blessing. Um, yeah. I, I uh, and, and the final joke at the doctor's office, I mean, not expecting that <laughs> at all. I mean, Barbie going to a gynecologist, what the fuck for, you know? Because um, she's got gonads now. <laughs> does she? Now she, she established she under actually there. has real gonads now. I hope she does. I mean, yeah, because she I said yes know, to the real life. Because she has to drink actual water, so she has to go actual pee now. So I hope she has, you know female parts now and and i hope she can find herself somebody better than ken you know and do the deed i mean that would be nice right well she's got the birkenstocks so <laughs> but um yeah i was that that last joke at the gynecologist just cracked me up i mean good god um i'm i'm I was just really impressed with the, some of the stuff they got away with. I thought it was funny that Ken um, associated being masculine with liking horses. And they took that to the extreme with, with the decor and everything when the Kens took over Barbie land. I just thought it was funny. And I love that at the end, Kelly, that he was like, when I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I kind of lost interest. Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Like, being a leader is hard. I just wanted the horses. <laughs> I I would love to talk about Ken for a, for a few minutes, if that's yes, cool with you Yes, let's do it. So I, I was initially, I watched the movie twice. And the first time I was like, why is the blonde Ken, the only one who seems really like insecure and, and, and like is, is trying really hard to be boyfriend, girlfriend. Like you don't see this happening with other Kens. Like you have, uh, you know, the super confident guys and they're all just like having fun and like, Oh yeah, I'm, I beach really well. Whereas you have Ryan Gosling, who's very, you know, he's got his blonde fragility um and I, I was a little bit like why why is there only one ken who's having this, this problem and but i was like you know what i think it's because there's a lot of times where you know i i always had barbie and ken as like boyfriend girlfriend and like i actually got in trouble with my cousin for like discussing the uh, apparently at nine years old we were discussing the sex lives of our barbies and kens we got in a lot of trouble for that i don't remember this at all but my auntie told me and i was like oh yikes <laughs> um so i just, i i don't know did anybody have any concerns about how i guess that ryan everybody but ryan gosling seemed happy and well adjusted or was that just my impression 
So when I watched it, I felt like um, he, being stereotypical, Ken, was insecure about stereotypical Barbie having no interest in him. And I felt like towards the end, like when they, they play off of all their jealousies and all the Barbies start switching their Kens, is um, when we kind of got to see more of the other Kens insecurities. And it felt like those other Barbies were just more into their Kens than she was into him. And his only job is beach. Like he doesn't even get to surf or lifeguard or anything. So his only job is to be stereotypical Ken. And um, I, I thought that was really, I thought it was really interesting that they played it that way because when your only job, like she said to him at the end is you, you have to have more interest than me. You're not your girlfriend. You're not just, your job you're not even beach you're you're ken so figure out who you are and um i guess i just saw that as a really clever way to introduce this expansion anyone else i um yeah i think the other kens mostly hid their not being so well adjusted better and it's sort of indicative of women in society i think some of us can hide how much rage we feel at least i can (laughs) most of the time um but you know others are not as good at hiding it or keeping it in check and i think that's what was happening here he was the most obviously distressed and uh, you know just kind of unhappy with his lot in life. But the other Kens, I think, you know, they had their insecurities too, as we saw at that beach scene with the, you know, playing the guitar and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. He He's probably less well-adjusted than the others, but I wouldn't say the others are well-adjusted. Only by comparison, maybe. Um, yeah, but I, I liked that because it, it felt true to to how women feel in in our world and i loved also that he was more of an annoyance not just in barbie land but also in the real world she was clearly annoyed with him she clearly felt like she had to take care of him like a child you know don't do this or don't go there or don't do that you know she was like having to give him instructions so she could go do this important work that she had to do but first she had to deal with him you know um and that just felt true to how women have to take care of their men. You know, um, men are just big babies. And not just when they're sick. They're worse when they're sick. They're bigger babies when they're sick. But they're they're big man-children. And they, they often have to be taken care of. You know, a lot of men, they go through a divorce and they don't stay divorced long a lot of them because they need that next person who's going to take care of them. And so it just reminded me, I mean, in both worlds, he was equally annoying and equally just kind of a pain in her ass. And I, I love that they weren't afraid to go there with him. Yeah. And I think that it's really great that they actually went there because 
usually that's put off with women a lot. And people like kind of associate it with women when they don't realize by associating it with women, it's making it seem like that they are. Yeah, it's, I like that point, Pro. There. Andy sent me a video of a, a guy who was reading a text message that his dad sent to the, the family thread. He's like, my dad just went and saw the Barbie movie and he sent this thread out to the family message and, and he reads this whole text message off and it was, it was brilliant. It was really nice and really fun. And one of the things that he said in there was that um, he said, this movie brings to light that women have always been in charge of men and they've let us get away with things, but it's always been the women who were calling the shots. And I, I know that there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of times when we aren't able to control things, but there are a lot of times when we do let men believe certain things or, or, feel certain ways or we don't counter them because we've been raised in a culture and a society that's taught us to be patient and kind and to always smile and be sweet and um, have patience and, you know, play to a man's ego in certain ways. And I like that they're showing this flip side of it, of it being strong women who, who aren't going to do that, who want to have like, I'm so grateful that they didn't have Barbie at the end have her ending be Ken. And that she was still like, no, he's not for me. But I also don't want to hurt his feelings. I want to I want to let him know. I don't want to string him along. I want to make these decisions for myself. And I, I liked the way that they played into that. And also, I hate that there's so much of that programming that exists in us. And I'm grateful to see it being broken in younger generations around us. And I like that they called it out in this movie. I also liked that Barbie made him sit in the back seat of the car once she realized that he was there. <laughs> she yeah. didn't let him join her in the front. You were, yeah. you were not invited. He's annoying. On but honestly, if I don't remember, but I want to say Ken's never fit in the freaking car. Like, really? The way their body shape. I only had the one Barbie car, but I want to say Ken did not fit in that unless you like put him sideways in the back seat. That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, I love that. I wonder if that was like secretly done on purpose. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking that was that was. I mean, not. Not the way that the, the but in the mar in the movie, yes, I imagine so. Um, I I also think it was important to acknowledge, like, with with uh, the emotion story versus the action story. Like, I feel like a lot of the emotion story was was about Ken and the relationships, and usually in movies, the emotional story is largely tied to. To the women characters and so like when i like that they they really flipped that where like barbie had her internal like 
change, but ultimately it was that she was listening to Ken, asking him to, to share his emotions with her in a, you know, in an appropriate way. And then saying like, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way that wait, that's not an invitation. <laughs> like to, we're not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be your girlfriend, but you know, it's like, I can see how these emotions and what you're, you're expecting must've been hard for you. And so I think having a dialogue like that, where she was so forthright and he like, just kind of, yes, he, he thought to kiss her twice, but it's like, he eventually took that feedback and they, they seemed happier for it. It's like, oh, wow. I wish that relationships were actually like this. Like we would, we would all be so much better. Just if communication worked. <laughs> if, yeah. If people actually communicated and were willing to listen to each other uh, and we're not, you know, on the defensive or expecting to be on the defensive, I think that things might be better. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Did anyone else have any other thoughts on Ken? I I thought it was interesting that the minute he gets a, a taste of power, he just takes everything over. Like, you know, I think that's probably that, scenario is why men fight so hard to keep women down and to to try to like you know create laws that make it harder for us to to do things in life and and you know just basically i i I think they're afraid that instead of taking our half of the pie will take the whole pie like Ken did. And they don't even want to give us a slice, much less half of it, you know, um, because they're afraid we'll just take all the rest. And, and deep down, they have to know that if we got the chance, we could, we, we could, it wouldn't be that hard to do once we got that first slice, but we have a sliver right now. You know, we barely have a foothold and I feel like their their feet are on our neck constantly because they're afraid we're just going to do exactly what Ken did, which is exactly what they would do. And so at least that's how I saw that. Like, yep, he did exactly what you think. At the minute he thought he could take power, he just took it with no regard at all to Barbie or anybody else except for him and his folks. And that's, um, that's like the old boys club here in the South, you know? I don't know if anybody else saw it that way. I, I was reminded of this quote that was something along the lines of, if you're having a discussion about the power dynamic, then you don't have the power. And I was like, that's what this feels like to me. Um, because the fact that they treated patriarchy like a virus that the Barbies had no way of defending against, I was like, I was actually more offended by that the second time than the first time. It's like, what, what do you mean? You have these women who work hard and are very smart and successful. And a guy comes in and starts talking at them about, you know, the Godfather too. And they're dressing like French maids. I'm like, what? How? No, 
I don't know how you got this. That's a big leap, but at the same time, it was it was um, funny to watch while being offensive, uh, kind of like South Park. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I think there is a lot of fear, but I think that that fear kind of goes socioeconomically via gender, but also like in my experience in trying to gender bend, I get a lot more flack and resistance from other women than I do from men. Like when I wore pants to church for the first time, I had I was told, oh, those are really nice slacks by like three different guys. Whereas the girls just gave me the side eye, like all of them. And I'm like, just because you're not doing something different doesn't mean that I can't do something different. And so I think it's important to be aware of that a lot of these roles we we make are are one made up like that was something about the the beginning of the movie it reminded me of like toy aisles where it's like oh yeah there's the pink toy aisle and then the fun toy aisle and then another pink toy aisle and the fun toy aisle like and it's like it goes by age um and and i'm not saying that they don't make fun toys for girls i just think that there's a lot more like gender training in the girls toys like the little vacuum cleaner and like that all the lego for girl have like horses and you know flowers whereas like the ones that are supposed to be gender neutral or for boys have like jets and cars and like other fun stuff so um i'm glad that they kind of call bs on the the gender paradigm a little bit but i also think that um there there's like an alternate version of this movie in my head where barbie starts being different and the other barbies around her just sort of freak out and are like why are you rocking the boat barbie um but i think that'll probably be barbie too because that's a hard that's a hard discussion to have i think as women to think about how we like not consciously just subconsciously like fit these roles and when we get break out of them how we kind of feel uncomfortable when other people do that i think that kind of ties in to um and again i i don't have kids but i i read a lot of stuff online um about people who also don't want kids but it's women like me, I'm, I'm in my forties and, um, it's almost like women who have kids are always telling other women, you need to have kids. You need to have kids, even though they'll admit that it's really hard. Um, maybe they regret doing it, maybe not, but it's almost like, um, women who don't have children, even in this day and age are still seen as the outliers. Um, it, it's, it's threatening in a way um, from what, what I see and what I understand. And it's, it's like, you know, if you go against the status quo, it's just not acceptable. Um, and, you know, we say women, we band together, you know, we need to be a unit, we need to support each other. But there's a, still a lot of, of things between women that if you go against the grain, you're maybe not ostracized, but, you know, I've constantly have had people in my life saying, well, why don't you have children? You'll change your mind when you find the right man, you'll settle down. And I've even literally told people I can't have children, which 
I don't know even if that's biologically true, but I, as a mental process, I can't have children. And they're like, well, you can adopt. It's like, can, can I just shut down this conversation? So that's sort of my input on that, that, you know, just even amongst women, sometimes there's still this idea of homogeny. Oh, I think that's worse. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Melissa. Uh, I was just to say, women can be worse at this than men in, in, mm-hmm. in restricting other women. Um, when when a woman buys into the patriarchy and, and has a very kind of um, tunnel view of what a woman should look like and act like, um, they can really influence other women and and but but it's it's not influenced by choice like like it's it's more by force or something and and yeah women can hold women down and and it's worse than men in some ways because they should know better because of the subjugation they've been you know subjected to but yeah women can be way worse but I, I think it's like that. Has anybody had thoughts of death? It's very uncomfortable. And I think people don't realize how much programming has gone into creating these gender roles and how when people break them, it makes people very uncomfortable. Like, they're like, why am I uncomfortable? Why are you making me uncomfortable? I don't like that you're making me uncomfortable. It's your fault. Um, and so you should stop doing that. Whereas like, you know, and I think that that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, it's, I think as, as gender roles evolve, you have like girls getting in fights with their moms or their, you know, their parents about like, well, you know, I, I was, what, what was I watching where the girl wanted to challenge her school's dress code and her mom was just upset that she was getting in trouble at school. But the girl was like, I don't know why you're so down on me doing my own thing. And so I think that um, it can be very uncomfortable when we break gender roles. I also think that in order to be a successful woman, and I'm, I'm air quoting right now, like you automatically skew male. Like the way that we talk, we have to change how we talk. We have to change how we dress. Um, like you're looking at women's like clothes for work they're usually what is now gender neutral is automatically skewed male and so i think you know that's not on mattel but i'm just gonna say like mattel definitely you know didn't have like you know just going to work barbie or normal barbie where she has a cute but somewhat masculine top (laughs) like and what that looks like um because even their spacesuits were purple and glittery. Those were so awesome, you guys. Sorry, I love costuming. <laughs> I mean, if, if I made a spacesuit for myself, it would probably be pink and glittery. But I just like pink. That's and that <laughs> and is glitter. Totally great, you know, and you should like it. And I, but I also think like it it creates this uh, competition where like, you know, if a if a woman does decide to stay home and have kids, like. God bless her. That's huge. Like that's an important part of life. And that I was like, I was really upset that they made Midge the weird one. I'm like, there's a lot of women who have kids and they're very smart and they're very active and they work their butts off 
doing, you know, doing their job and having children, or if they can afford to stay home and be with their children, being a mom, which is a hundred hour a week plus job. Um, and it's just, I, I felt like that was definitely something that made me a little bit sad, but like when, when you're like, oh, well, you wanting to be a girl and liking pink isn't good for the team. It's like, you're being too much of a girl. It's not good for the team. We have to be more masculine in order to be successful as like a, as a front. And it's like, no, let sister dress how she wants to dress and, you know, don't slut shame anybody and just, you know, if somebody wants to wear sparkly pink leggings, just be like, oh my gosh, those are so cute on you. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to wear a tie. <laughs> I I love that you that you all brought this up because there there were parts of this movie like I think the first time I watched this movie and, and Prue can attest to this I cried through at least thirty percent of it just like sat there crying and holding my daughter's hand and watching it and I yeah. I, I wasn't super offended um, at the how easily they got tricked into liking the Kens because I felt like they used it as a really good plot point towards, unfortunately towards, um, the monologue that, uh, America Ferrera had. And, and I think that this idea that even when we're strong, even when we are confident, even when we're all these different things that we still have these, seeds of doubt that are planted in us that are based off of whether we're pretty enough or whether we're interesting enough or whether we're smart enough um, that you have to be all of those things and that we can't just be who we are. Um, when I started working, I was in my 20s and I was moving to these small towns in America and opening offices and hiring people. And I found that if I dressed not in dresses, and if I didn't put makeup on and I didn't do my hair, that I was more respected by my employees as a boss and I wasn't hit on and I wasn't asked to go out and drink with them. But instead, they paid attention to what I was saying and that I was able to get them to work harder and be more successful. And it really bothered me. And also, it really worked. <laughs> and so that was something that sort of became this part of like who I was as a boss and who I was as um, a woman and how I would have to go home and change before I would go out and have dinner if I wanted to go meet my boyfriend or do these different things. And um, I, I found it incredibly poignant the way that they brought the women together. And I think that... Um, we are in a world where we tear ourselves down and women are worse than men in so many ways because we're just starting to get out of that game um, of having to be pitted against each other and having to be the only woman in the room or being like that company that I worked for. I was the first female director that the company ever had and they had been in existence for 27 years at the time that I became a director. And so it's these, these little things that we have to deprogram and rethink and learn to work together. Um, one of the panels that I was on at the Salt Lake Comic Con was about Bitch Planet, about being um, uh, non-compliant. And as I sat 
on that panel, I was really hoping Rebecca would be here because she was one of the people leading the panel. Um, one of the women got up because I had made a comment about how to me being non-compliant and a room full of women who were angry at the patriarchy to me being non-compliant was being a mom. It was, it was the space that I got to move into and that I chose. Um, I also made it very clear. Like, I think Kelly, you made some really good points. Like I didn't become a mom until I was 32. And I also never told anyone else that they should be a mom. In fact, I would tell my friends to think very hard about it because being a mother is something that should be chosen and, or can be chosen, not necessarily should, but it's something that is a lifelong commitment. And being on the autism spectrum, I had to think really hard and make that a decision that I made. And I only had one. And you know, my very Mormon family gave me a lot of hell about that for not having any kids until I was 30 and then choosing to only have one and the way that all these things work together. But um, one of the women stood up in that room and said, I can't believe you consider yourself non-compliant because you had a kid and that like that you're even on this panel at all. I don't know why you're on this panel because there's nothing non-compliant about you. And I said, you know, the simple fact that I was able to define for myself what feminism looks like to me to to stop playing in a man's world to get dressed up when i want to and put makeup on when i want to and not put it on when i don't want to like that i get to make these decisions instead of feeling compelled to do any of them means that i've broken away from the control and the power of it and giving other women the right to do that if they want to be in the army, they should be in the army. If they want to bake cakes, they should bake cakes. If they want to be a mother, they should be a mother. And the same for men. If men want to bake cakes, they should bake cakes. If they want to be in the army, they should be in the army. Like defining for ourselves who we are and this own mix of feminism and masculine, um, figuring out what that means to each of us individually instead of being told and then celebrating others for doing the same that's been like a lifelong mission for me. And I feel like they were just starting to get there at the end of this movie to kind of make that point as well. And I, I liked that it got there. Um, I liked that the president then apologized to weird Barbie for calling her weird Barbie, Barbie both behind her back and to her face. Um, and I thought that was really an important moment because that bothered me at the beginning that they were calling her weird Barbie and that they didn't want to go there. And like, so weird Barbie is definitely next of what I would like to talk about and see how everyone thought about her. But I love what everyone has had to say so far is choosing the future you want for you and not being told what it should be and supporting each other in that. Can I just say, fuck that person who said you didn't belong there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Andy actually said that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Way to go, Andy. I know you're not chiming in today, but thank you for that. It, uh, it was. I was grateful that person brought the question up, though, because it started a wider conversation. And I think everyone on the panel was like, no, we all get to decide, which is exactly what it should be, right? Yeah. It really is. There really shouldn't be one definition of anything, because... You know, like like feminism, for example, you, you know, the reason why there's so many offshoots of feminism, because the original definition of feminism was really something that only applied to upwardly mobile, i.e. middle class or higher white women. 
and it didn't really seem to apply to anyone else. And so now there's like intersectional feminism and there's all these other, you know, waves of feminism and stuff because it, it shouldn't be one thing. You know what I'm saying? It, it should never be that way because we're all different. And, you know, I'll be honest, when I was younger, I probably would have judged you the same way as that stupid person. But thankfully I'm older now and really try not to judge. And when I do, I do try to see it from the other person's perspective, you know? Um, But in saying that though, this movie did veer, I think, into that territory of stringently defining certain things. Like by making Midge the outcast because she was pregnant and the running joke, that... Mm -hmm. That really, and as someone who chose not to have children, never wanted them, um, I was kind of offended by that on her behalf in a sense because um, to to try and say like the feminine themes of this movie don't exist for, for Midge, which I feel was kind of the message or at least the way I got it, that's just wrong, you know? Um, more and more women are deciding not to have kids or delaying having kids, but we still need the ones who want to have them because if all of us decide not to have them, then the human race dies out, which, you know, it, it like, that would be tragic. Uh, and I think this is somebody who's lost humanity a lot over recent years. Um, but as somebody who's also reading a very intriguing book called Sapiens, um, it's about basically how sapiens survived and thrived, um, knowing the shit that had to happen so we could get to where we are now and really having that in perspective. It would be a shame to, you know, to limit us. We're limiting each other. And this movie tried to limit like readers basically. <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I didn't like that, even though, I hate when people tell me how selfish I am for having never had kids and asking, oh, aren't you, aren't you lonely or aren't you afraid of dying alone just because I don't have kids? Like people have kids so they don't have to die alone or so they'll have somebody to take care of them when they're later. That's wrong, you know? And so I, I have very mixed feelings about this, but the Midge thing to me was very clear that they were sort of trying to hard to find something that they shouldn't have because that's not very inclusive. More women have babies than not. And so to sort of exclude them like that or make them a running joke, um, I thought that was a bad idea. Yeah, it was an interesting one for sure. I like, Every time they made the joke, I was like, this isn't landing the way I think they want it to. Yeah. It just feels weird. And it makes you wonder, like, a lot of the people who were producers and writers and the director, I don't think they have kids or they don't have that many kids. You know, like, they're young moms and maybe they just feel differently. But, um, yeah, I didn't think that was a good look. So how do we feel about Weird Barbie? feel like she's the inevitable end of all Barbies. <laughs> You'll eventually get played with too hard and end up with rock, rock punk hair. Although I have to say, I was like, oh, she has my haircut. Cool. I should do that color thing. Uh, you should. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like at least for my Barbies, pretty much all of them, except for the one that 
like I just tried to keep pristine because her dress was so beautiful. Like all of my Barbies ended up weird Barbies. Um, I remember one time my friend came to my house and I had that one pristine Barbie. I was maybe seven and I did not want her to get ruined because I cut all the other one's hair and it looked horrible because it went up and it was like pink and blue and colored. And they had Sharpie on their faces. And then she said, hey, can I cut this Barbie's hair? And I said, no, that one is my favorite Barbie. You better not. And she was like, don't worry, I won't mess it up. I won't do anything to it. That's bad. And then I said, fine, you can cut her hair. And then she did. And she cut it super short, and it was all sticking up. And I was so mad at her. And I was like, what did you do to my Barbie? Well, I, I didn't know this story, and it is cracking me up. I'm it's, sorry. It's a great story, because it's the, it's the, the woeful <laughs> tale of what happens when you try to do your own haircut, or when you're learning how to do your own makeup like you end up looking like weird barbie so don't cut your own hair and do not let your friends cut your hair unless they have gone to beauty school no bangs. Um, yes yeah just uh, yeah don't let them pierce parts of your body either guys uh <laughs> just because I, otherwise you will end up like weird barbie because like i didn't know until i watched like a series of youtube videos that instead of washing Barbie's hair and using conditioner, I was like, why is it getting so horribly frizzy? Is you're supposed to use like um, fabric softener because her hair is made of plastic. And I was like, oh. why do they not have the care and keeping of Barbies? Like, and, and or like Barbie makeup tutorials. Cause I was like, I know I always had great ideas when I went in there with the Sharpie or the marker that's like, I'm going to take her from an eight to a 10. She's gonna look fabulous. And it was, it never ended well for her. I always yeah. use this, um, it, used, it used to be called, I think, Tinkerbell nail polish. And, um, but you could peel it off. And so I would use like the pink shade of that and I would put makeup on them and like put lipstick on them and, and stuff. That's and it brilliant. peeled off. Yeah, it worked so great. I don't know where I even got the idea to do it because, I mean, <laughs> it's meant for your fingernails. But I was like, I'm just going to do this on my Barbie. So anything I did was only temporary, which was so amazing. I want to say I used washable markers and they did not wash off. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I did magic markers and then I would smell her hair. Because they, they were the smelly <laughs> Yes. Uh, and I also painted nipples off. <laughs> I did. Oh, my gosh. I love you, Melissa, so much. <laughs> well, I mean, what the hell? Why does she have no nipples? It's like, because... Did you paint other things, too? No, I didn't have hair there yet. I used to put... I used to put underwear on my Barbies. I would draw it on with Sharpies. Oh, I like your style. Well, her name is Prudence. <laughs> <laughs>
very thoughtful. I really liked the introduction of Weird Barbie. I liked when she gave her the option of the heels or the Birkenstocks. And I liked that it was right after Barbie said, if my feet were really shaped this way, I would never wear high heels. Um, But then she still was like, no, I want to go back. I don't want to know. Like, let me go back. (laughs) So much easier to not have to worry about it. The first one. I'll go back to the first one. The first one. I love Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. I, I have a crush on her she, I, I love funny people if you can make me laugh that will make me melt a little bit um, you know, she's funny and um, yeah I have a huge crush on her and it, it's funny because Issa Rae and her in this movie together I mean it was just like holy crap like like I'm just in love right mm-hmm. but yet we have like one of the most recognizable conventionally handsome men in the world and Ryan Gosling does nothing for me nothing but those two women yum you know so yeah i just thought that was kind of funny um because i'm only like maybe like you know because because i don't know if everybody knows this about bisexual people they don't everybody thinks it's like 50 50 but it's a spectrum you know what i'm saying and so like i would i favor men more than women a little bit i i'm like 40 percent lesbian 60 percent man eater so like for me to be attracted to only the women in this film is is funny. I love that. I felt the same way though, Melissa. Yeah, I was way more attracted to the women than the men. Yeah, because the but... women were awesome and the mm-hmm. men were like plastic. Also, I don't know what they did to Ryan Gosling to make him that muscular and then painting more muscles on him, but he was weirdly <laughs> vascular. And I was like, oh, you should have gotten like another Ryan. To... And I was like, you know what? This is the problem with patriarchy in America. You think Ryan Gosling's not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I think also why you probably liked the men more is because of how they portrayed them and how they were trying to fight for the women. Oh, I didn't like the men more. I definitely did not. I just had more opinions about them. (laughs) Yeah. I was like a little bit grossed out by Ken. And I'm like, why is he always walking around without his shirt on? And I was like, oh, because Ken's shirts, the Velcro never worked after like he took him out of the box. So he would always be walking around with an open shirt because the Velcro wouldn't stay Velcroed. (laughs) So... I never knew that. At least on my kins. I had fashion uh, obsessions as a child when I was talking, trying to figure out how to make them look the most beautiful. The only Ken I had was from the Barbie and the Rockers Ken. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, you know, other than, I mean, I got, and I had a, a lot of Barbies, like I said, people always buy you Barbies when you're a little girl. I wanted Transformers. And like GI Joes, and I had to play with my brothers because nobody would buy them because they're for boys. Um, But you know, so but thankfully they didn't buy me a lot of Kens. But the Ken Barbie and the Rocker, I ask you guys to look at this up. It is a fucking ridiculous looking doll. It is. It's really ridiculous, and so that just turned me on. That that being my really. personal okay i see i i know brooke just looked it up from her reaction um 
think we should put yeah, this in the show Yeah, he looks a little notes. like Liberace, you know? <laughs> oh, my giddy aunt. <laughs> my cousin had that one. I remember that one. I didn't have that. My kids had the, the plastic hair, the molded plastic hair, but... Yeah. yeah, he was different. <laughs> he was different. Already. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Why did <laughs> oh, they make him look like that? I don't know, but it I swear he just like yeah, it was terrible. So him being my only personal exposure, like real exposure to Ken, uh did not bode well for me liking Ken in this movie, but then they made him wholly unlikable and so and I'll be honest, look. This is probably just me being a little bitter, but him being Knuff at the end, fuck it. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care about Ken's feelings. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I, I feel like he, he instead of the backseat of the car that she made him ride in, I would have put him in the trunk if he got to stay at all. <laughs> Seriously. That's um, my out. In the Ken, Barbie, and the Rockers, he looks like a 45-year-old trying to act like a teen in a teen movie. Oh, I, I, I that, that is a good call, Skipper. Yeah. He kind of looks like um, Rex Manning from Empire yes. Records. So are we going to have to celebrate him on Rex Manning Day? Or no, something? we don't celebrate no, him. We okay, don't celebrate good. Rex Manning Day. We just mock him. Good, good, good. Well, I um, speaking of Ken's craziness, when they get to the new world and he's like a toddler with no brain of his own and he's like pacing around and saying he's bored and he doesn't know what to do, uh, she tells him to go for a walk. And I think that that scene... Um, is really well done because Barbie sits on the bench and she has this uh, this moment where she has her first tear and she actually like sees humanity and is feeling feelings and having this experience and she looks to the woman next to her and, and sees her beauty and tells her so and the woman of course says I know um, and Ken comes back just puffed up and full of horses and patriarchy. And that was like as deep as he went was just <laughs> feeling power for the first time and being confused why being a man wasn't enough to get a job as a doctor or he couldn't even beach there. And um, I, I really liked and I would love to get everyone's input on how they felt about their experience in the real world and kind of the the difference between the presidency of Barbie world and the uh, boardroom table of Mattel. Nobody. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> well, I, have, I just don't want to go first. Melissa, you go. I, I'm going to be shallow here. Um, the president in Barbie land was Issa Rae and it's hard for me to think of anything else because I love her. Enough said. Yeah. She was lovely. Um, something else when the CEO of Mattel said, Oh yeah, we are made up of women. We had one, woman CEO in like 1990 or 50 or something and then another one in another time 
he was like, that's enough. We don't need any more. At least we have this. How did you feel about that? It's just a stupid thing that people are like, yeah, I support. I support all of this. We've had this one thing that supports it. That's enough. That's done. That's all we need. And that's it. Wow. I, I, I'm sorry. I got a like, slow clap that response. I'm very impressed, Skipper. Um, because I feel like that was definitely on purpose, like that it was all white dudes that were just kind of like there. It's like, oh, but we're we're made of of women, and like I didn't go to blah blah blah. To, I, it's like I care about the dreams of little girls, and so I I definitely felt like that um, Will Ferrell was a, an interesting cast for that level of like exaggeration. But I do think that it's an issue when you're being an al- or like trying to be an ally, but you're not, I guess, you're not being the ally that people want or need. You're being the ally you think that they want or need. Um, and so I think it, it was important to have that kind of statement of, you know, it's very difficult to think about diversity and, and like, what little girls need if you've never been one um and like and i think especially 10 15 years ago having a token you know a token person of color or a token female made you diverse and now i'm looking at the mattel board of directors and i'm like there's so many different types of women and like and the different types of men. So it's like, it's definitely a much more thoughtful real life board than, you know, the one in the movie. I'd be curious to see what the women get paid compared to the men though. I mean, Adriana Cisneros is the CEO. Well, oh, nope, she's the CEO of Cisneros. Uh, so I don't know what that means in the board of directors of Mattel, but like, I guess she's she's her own CEO and she's just on the board of directors. So, but she's number three, and so yeah, I would be I would be interested in the uh, executive officers. Let me look at this. Do, do, do. Oh, there's yeah, the executive officers. They're they're all dudes, except for Amy Thompson. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. Slow clap to Prue for calling that out. I think that was a very, like, interesting observation. Thank you. So I wanted to bring up a topic if, um, I don't know how interested you would be in it or if anybody even has an opinion, but I... I know that there's been a lot of universal claim, acclaim for this movie, but when you read some of the reactions out there, and I'm not talking about the men who are, like, offended by it and whatever, like, fuck those guys. But 
I'm talking about like people who try some of them successfully, some not to make like think pieces about this movie. And I feel like they're sort of not getting it or at least not getting the movie the same way I got it. Um, I did say how like with the Midge thing that they were veering into territory of trying to define two rigid borders of what this movie should be or what Barbie should be when Barbie is clearly so many things to so many different people. Um, but I feel like the reaction amongst critics, and, and I don't just mean film critics, I mean like like societal critics, like feminist critics, um, is pretty mixed. Like I've seen some people talk about how this movie has brought on like bimbo core, because everything's core these days, you know, cottage core and, pink core and whatever it's like bimbo core is like where you wear all the barbie type stuff like pink and feminine and ultra feminist feminine feminine not feminist type of things and then others who see more like what i picked up on more which was like how it's criticizing the patriarchy basically and I feel like each side has drawn lines, like this is what it means. And they're trying to define it so rigidly. Um, I, I think that that's just, ugh, it's frustrating. Have you guys picked up on any of that? Or is it just me projecting maybe because that's entirely possible. But I feel like people are trying to define this movie and maybe we should just let it be like Barbie, like whatever it is to that person. Kind of like how Brooke said feminism is different to her. You know, it's her definition and not mine or, or Kit's or anyone else's, you know? Um, am I the only one who feels that way? No, I think that's accurate. And I think that's one of the core issues of feminism uh is that like the fact that you're criticizing people who decide that they want to dress like a movie and enjoy the color pink and calling them bimbos that's cut prue cover your ears that's bullshit um and all right prue uncover your ears uh i never covered them Oh, well, I'm sorry I swore in front of your child. If she covered uh, them, how would she know to uncover them? Because she can't hear yeah. you. <laughs> okay, anyway, but it is. It's bananas. Um, and I think that it, it shakes out a lot of these arguments about what it means to be a good woman. Like, it's like the fact that we have competitive gender is silly, but it is kind of unfortunately true where it's like oh how good are you at being a woman and how good are you at being my version of what i think a woman should be um and and which is i think why i was like um, i, I may gender y'all i think that we when you make up standards it's going to be impossible to meet them across the board which i um, think gets to the heart of america ferrera's speech in this movie yes using it is to be a woman and in this day and age and it's because everybody has their rigid definitions and if everybody would just loosen up and allow for other things and even god forbid allow for the unknown 
we'd all be less tense and get along better. It, the world would be so much better, but we have all these rigid boxes and we're supposed to be in every fucking box. We can't be in every box at once. Um, her speech really got to me when she was talking basically about, I think she kind of says something like you're supposed to be skinny, but not too skinny and um, or something like that because talking about being in, in the, the box and, and everything else is, um, oh, oh, I think I lost my, my train of thought, but I, um, that really got to me because I, for the first 40 years of my life, I was super skinny, you know, like extra, extra small size and everything else. But I was also accused of being anorexic. I told, I looked sickly, um, everything else and um and other women attacked me uh because you know maybe they thought they wanted to look like that or maybe they did want to look like like me but I didn't like the way I looked because it still wasn't good enough like and oh and, and but I know what I was actually going to say and I, I get really upset about the term real woman um because I and I don't see it as often as I used to but you'd see somebody with quote unquote, realistic proportions, um, which excluded what my size was at the time. And that just pissed me off because I'm like, I, I am a real woman. I mean, I just, I, I have genetics or whatever. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I just never could put on a weight until I got on antidepressants. And then I put on a lot of weight so now I I am a quote-unquote real woman I guess but um it's just always bothered me because people have this standard I mean it's like you you have to be you know your boobs have to be this proportion your butt has to be this proportion and your hips have to be this proportion otherwise you're just not going to be appealing and it's you know if you're too big or too small in one area or another it, it's just never good enough. And that's why her speech really got to me because it's like, no matter what you do, it's never good enough. Yeah. And I feel, I very much agree with that. And it's like, you have to be skinny, but you have to be thick in these areas. Mm. You have to have big hips. You have to have a big butt. You have to have big boobs, but the tiniest waist. My my own mother told me one time, you know, if you had some boobs, you'd look really good. Oh, Jesus. That's my hard. mom told me after I had my daughter that if I could just lose the tummy, I'd have a perfect figure. Oh, God. And I think, I think there's so much to be said about the constant criticism that we are and under from ourselves and from other people that we don't, we stop hearing our own voice. And I think it's been one of the things that, and I hope this is okay with you, Prue, but one of the things as a mom that's been hard to watch is watching my daughter's internal voice changing, especially when she has a mother that's so trying to be so body positive and so individualist and about who you are and what you want to be. And it's just, it still permeates our society. And, um, and I watch my kid with her friends and I hear them singing songs. Like, um, I have a video of them coming home from Girl Scouts one day, they were all in the back singing that song, Victoria's Secret. Mm 
And I like one, I know I'm a crybaby, but I 100% just started crying to myself because I was like, these girls are going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. It's going to be a battle, but I think they're going to be okay. Um, because I went, I went through a lot of the same journey as Kelly of being called anorexic my whole life. My, my family said that they called me brick instead of Brooke because I was flat on both sides and I was just this scrawny. Thing. And then I had a kid and my body has changed and it's this like continual journey of where do we find ourselves and how do we, how do we balance these things? How do we get to know ourselves when we're constantly being told that what we are isn't right? And learning how to figure that out again. Damn the man. <laughs> uh, Damn the unrealistic beauty standards that we came up with and now kind of still try to get to. And and I'll be honest, that's the thing I hated the most about Barbie growing up is that she was so skinny. She had this waist that was unattainable in proportion to the rest of her body. I think I read somewhere that if she was real, like if they used her proportions on an actual human person that she would have to walk on all fours mm-hmm. because it's unrealistic but that's your first exposure i mean that was my first exposure other than cabbage patch i also had a cabbage patch doll like uh i didn't put it in the oven i was resourceful <laughs> i actually i applaud that it's brilliant but a little a little spooky i gotta say um, <laughs> but well speaking of spooky the reason why i got rid of mine did y'all ever see poltergeist growing up mm-hmm. yeah, terrifying scared the yeah. shit out of me and you know the part where all the dolls and the clown and shit come alive mm-hmm. i would not yes. go near my cabbage patch doll and my mom was pissed because they were expensive and so hard to find because they were sold out everywhere and she got me an authentic one like first one she got me was fake and like it, it came apart and there was no signature on the butt you know but, um, you gotta have the butt signature you know uh but she finally found me a real one for christmas one year and i then i saw poltergeist shortly after that and wouldn't go near it because i was afraid it was going to come alive and suck me into wherever carol ann went so um yeah i've had a weird history with my toys y'all um they should have just given me the transformers i bet i'd be better adjusted now <laughs> <laughs> if they just let me play with the toys i wanted to um but yeah um i i ugh. This movie gives me so many feels. I really loved it overall, but it also brings out some of my anger too. Well, it's really interesting too, because I was reading an article. We left the movie theater last night and I thought, I wonder what Barbara Handler thinks about Barbie. Who's Barbara Handler? She's Ruth Handler's daughter that Barbie was created for. And, and in the article, she made it very clear. She's like, I, Barbie is not supposed to be me. It was created for me. She's like, I have some resemblances, but it was never supposed to look like me or be me. It was just supposed to be for me because they went on a trip to Europe and she saw an older, like, female, like, woman doll. 
And she was like, I want one of those. It's not a paper doll. And so her mom came up with this idea. And Ken is her younger brother, Kenneth. And so growing up, they hated the dolls. Like she was 15 when her mom came up with the idea. She was 18 when the doll came out. Uh, She got married at 18 herself and then got divorced 11 years later. And she's like, I I hated the doll. I hated being asked about it. My brother hated it as well. We were always like, there are always these weird implications about it being Ken and Barbie. And she's like, it was a miserable existence. So even she could not live up to the hype and the stereotypical image of what Barbie was. And I, I think that's really interesting that her mom had made this thing like no good deed goes unpunished, right? Like it was started as in an attempt for a mother to connect to her, her daughter and give her something to play with. And it did not have that lasting effect. Really? Mm-hmm. No good wow. deed goes. All moms unpunished. screw up. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Even best intentions. But I, I'd also like to point out that Barbie came out in a time of corsetry and like when women wore girdles and corsets mm-hmm. to have that tiny, tiny waist. Like if you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and they're like on the floor at Pilates and then also wearing a corset, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. I kind of get like, this is where this tiny waist must have come from because if that was how you were supposed to look in the 50s like that that must have been real hard and now like uh, I read something somewhere that was like you know the gym is the new corset where we're expected to kind of keep our bodies in that shape um, but through our own willpower and work and it is like oh well that that seems very attainable and very possible I can I can absolutely do that um, without plastic surgery but uh I did want to say, like, I thought it was really funny when they had that that moment in the movie where Helen Mirren said, note to the director, Margot Robbie is the wrong person to cast for this line when she's talking about, like, feeling ordinary and that she doesn't look beautiful anymore. And I'm like, but I I was like, oh, that's, that's like, there's so many millions of dollars of industry just geared towards people's body insecurities so can't can't lose that in our in our childhood apparently have to keep that going so anyway i would like to um speaking of barbie handler and her mother ruth handler and i know we've we've talked about this just a little bit but um being the token mom on the podcast um it was i mean i genuinely cried through the entire like first watching of this movie i just kept crying and crying and um i did think that like towards the end of the movie when barbie's trying to decide if she should be human or stay in barbie land um they do this really beautiful montage of all these moms and their daughters and the feelings that come with those. And there's angst in there. There's grief. There's joy. There's celebration. There was, um, there was a lot that went into it. And um, being a mom of a daughter who is going into this age where um, 
children are supposed to start testing limits. They're supposed to grow into their bodies and into their hormones, and they're supposed to start fighting against their own parents. And genetically, it's because when we were all hunters and gatherers, they had to leave the tribe and go find someone else to mate with so that they could have more healthy babies. And so leaving the family was a very important part of development. And now we're in a different stage, but kids are still, you know, testing their parents and going into that stage of life is terrifying to me because I love my kid and I love the relationship that we have and I love the trust that we have in each other and the way that we communicate and the way that we coexist. And I also know that there will be things that change and that there will be times when she's pushing against me because it's what she needs to do to learn and to grow and the anxiety that I have around that, like watching the relationship between the mom and the daughter in this movie and her angst and the, the disgust that she has with her mom. And I mean, one of my favorite parts was when she slammed on the brakes of the car and her daughter looks at her and goes, Whoa, mom, where'd you learn to drive like this? And she's like, well, there's this guy. And she goes, dad, she goes, uh, yeah, of course it was your dad. (laughs) But the way that that develops again, um, this movie really, as far as those feelings go of loving your kids and watching them find their own place and find their way into things and getting to be there as they pull away from you when you love them and witness their journey and still be there to give them everything. I thought it did a really beautiful job of showing what that is like from all the sides, right? Her daughter needed that too. It wasn't that she was a bad daughter. It wasn't like they didn't cast her as a, as a bad character. She had her own growth and her own story. And I think that that, you know, was shown again with Ruth and with Barbie going into the real world, um, making these choices and decisions. I just, I think, you know, I guess to wrap around to what Melissa said earlier, when we criticize art so much and we've become so polarized polarized as a people and humanity that we can't even allow others to enjoy art for themselves without attacking them for it, I think we've reached a really sad place. And I think that art is supposed to be beautiful and enjoyed for each of us individually. I walked out of this movie the last night, the second time going, those sneaky bastards just got me to watch a movie about mothers and daughters. And I didn't even know it when I don't think this movie would have been about mothers and daughters to any of the rest of this panel. It was just where it resonated for me last night. And I think that um, I wish we were less polarized. I wish that there was less quote-unquote fake news in the world and that there were less people calling conspiracy theories to everything and that there was more space for all of us to exist and have the experience that we are all here to have without it feeling like that was in some way going to take away from or endanger someone else. And I wish that those in power would stop taking away from others who are having different experiences and allow us to have them. And I just, I felt like this movie did a really good job of showing that. And um, 
I really loved the way that they depicted that growth between a mother and a daughter. And I thought it was really beautiful. All right, Toka Mom is done. I'll go back to the rest of the the rest of the movie. You're not Toka Mom. <laughs> Good God! And besides, I'm Midge. I think you're not a creepy here, Everybody here adores adore Skipper, so you know oh, yeah. we're happy you're a mom. She's okay. pretty great. She's pretty great. Well, is there anything else that anyone wants to hit on? Um, I mean, we touched a little bit on the moment of playing to their egos and jealousy to use it against them we haven't given a whole lot of time to the kins and their fight at the end and how they took the world back i don't know that it needs more time but is there anything else anyone would like to touch on there we don't need more time for the kins perfect (laughs) seriously although one of my favorite jokes was like oh maybe we can be on the supreme court day and they're like whoa 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 like maybe a a lower circuit judge or something i forget what they said exactly but that that was one of my favorite lines because um it it so embodies how long it took women to move up you know um in, in this society in our real world so yeah that was great yeah i liked that too well, should we go into our our final wrap-up? Does anyone else have anything they'd like to touch on? Yeah? Cool. All right, let's do it. Um, Andy has sent over the box office numbers for this movie. This movie has made $531,252,752 to date in our domestic box office. And internationally and then international box office has grossed six hundred sixty million six hundred thousand dollars for a grand total of one billion one hundred ninety one million eight hundred fifty two thousand seven hundred and fifty two dollars thus far which is pretty freaking incredible (laughs) and i hope that with that high of a number that there are just a lot of people enjoying this movie for exactly what it means to them. Um, so for, ed- um, oh shoot, what do we call it? The editor's notes? That's not what we call it, is it? Studio notes. Studio notes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what studio notes would you guys make? Um, I, want, I want Laverne Cox to be a, a Barbie. Yes. I wanted a very clearly beautiful trans woman to be in the dance sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been amazing. I wanted some queer Barbies. Yeah. yeah. Barbies that, well, because I mean, there were some Barbies that yeah. I think were doing girls I all the time, but there, you know, there was the candy and it's like, I just want to hang out with my friend Barbie. And it's like, oh yeah, like, cool. So yeah, I would like in, in Barbie too, let's have some queer Barbies. Yeah. What other studio notes? Um, I would leave out the whole Midge thing completely. I I just yeah. still think I'm not gonna harp on it again, but that was a bad call. I think they should have like made an apology for canceling her. I think Midge should have been in there and they should have been like, We don't know why she got canceled. We don't know why there's only one Alan. Well, it's because Michael Sarah is not that pretty. Yeah. I he annoys me more than anything. Yeah. I 
tolerated him, but that's like, you know, like I tolerated the Kens. I think we could also maybe add like having empowered Barbie mom, because you have Midge who is pregnant and then not pregnant, but I'm like, I remember there being some like really young skippers that were supposed to be like Barbie's daughter. And so I think it would be really cool if there had been like, you know, moms doing power stuff with their with their daughters in Barbie land. But, you know, that's not necessarily what you're thinking about when you're, you know, seven. I think the, the age for Barbie has gotten even younger now. Um, when you're five, probably not thinking about being a cool mom, but... I do wish that there was something like that, I guess. Yeah, they didn't have Stacy in there. They did That's have Skipper. Yeah. But hey, speaking of Skipper, is there anything you would have changed in the movie? Um I don't know. I would probably I know somebody already said this, but I would change the Midge thing. Yeah. Cause there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, how they did Midge as the doll, that was a little weird. But there's nothing wrong with a pregnant doll. I mean, it sounds weird, but... <laughs> I agree. Um, What were our favorite jokes or one-liners? I know we've said a couple of them, but what would you guys... What was your best joke of the movie? You're doing the patriarchy wrong. No, we're just better at hiding it. <laughs> I wrote that one down. I liked when he first ran into the ocean and hit the water and she picks him up and he goes, you're so strong. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Awesome. Um... I liked when Barbie is like, well, when Ken goes in for another kiss and Barbie's like, no, that's not the answer. And then he slaps himself and falls to the ground. He's already on his knees, but it's hilarious. He just slaps himself in the face. It was a great, yeah, it was a great moment of physical comedy to kind of show like, oh, this is what mentally writing yourself looks like on the inside. Yeah. Um, I loved all threats to beach someone off. I still don't necessarily know <laughs> that was... what it means to beach someone <laughs> off, but I it makes me so happy whenever they, so now I, that's my threat to people. It's like, I'm going to beat you off. Um, but... Uh, I really liked the Nobel Prize ceremony and how writer Barbie got her award and she's like I worked very hard and I'm very proud because I deserve this award yeah (gasps) that was amazing (laughs) yeah a woman say if a woman were to really say that in a speech like I deserve this instead of being humble she would probably be considered like a bitch or something wrong Mm. yeah you know, terrible. But but yeah, I, that's why I love that too. I did love the guitar jokes. Where, like, the jokes and how he's singing and how it goes on for, like, four hours. 
<laughs> Let me sing this at you for four minutes and 41 seconds. Like, let me... Let me uncomfortably stare into your eyes and play the guitar. <laughs> the writing was just great all the way through. I mean... I'm trying to remember specific one-liners. And as y'all mentioned them, I'm remembering those scenes, but I only saw the movie once, and it was right after it came out, so I'm having trouble remembering specific lines now. Yeah, yeah I had to look up this one specific line that I loved. It's from the narrator. She said, They will give the Kens as much power in Barbie land as women have in the real world. And uh, that made me feel good, because fuck the Kens. That, yeah. that made me feel like yeah. I had been punched in the guts. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, this is a really obvious gender reversal movie. And mm -hmm. it hurts to know like mm -hmm. that that's how we still see it. And like this. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But, I yeah, like when line. Barbie met Ruth for the first time. And she said, the real world isn't what I thought it would be. And Ruth said, it never is. And isn't that wonderful? Yes, I loved that part. That was great. That could be both good or bad. But yeah, that's a great line. Mm. Um, I love the part where Barbie is like looking around after she's crying and she sees the people laughing, the people fighting, um, and the people like crying and laughing and fighting and she just really feels all of their emotions and feels what they're going through even if she doesn't actually know yeah i liked that part too i did i like when uh ken calls barbie tiny barbie and she goes or tiny baby and she goes don't call me baby and he goes what about mini baby <laughs> i don't remember that part this is when she first came back. Um, also, long-term distance, low-commitment girlfriend. <laughs> so good. I'm glad you could remember that. <laughs> oh, I liked it how they called their houses the Mojo Dojo Casa Houses. Yeah. And then when um, the mom and daughter say it, she's like, stop. Barbie's like, stop. You don't need to. He's like, it's fun to say. And then they say it, and she's like, seriously? What I love is that then in the real world, they're selling, like, hotcakes. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I was like, that is so crazy to think about. Like, But uh, I think, you know, if somebody had had a Mojo Dojo Casa House for Barbie where there were lots of horses and karate, I would have been super into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melissa, how did you like when he took her glasses off? I have no comment. <laughs> He's like, wow, I can see your beautiful face. Dude. No. I, I specifically thought about all of you and how we discussed <laughs> this before during that scene fuck fuck 
fuck. That's all I can say about men who take women's glasses off. Like, all those fucking movies I saw as a kid that you're only beautiful with your glasses off. Fuck you. And now people ask you all the time, have you ever thought about LASIK? Are you going to get LASIK? And it's like, no, because I have severe dry eye and I can't wear contacts, so I'm stuffing my glasses. So I look awesome with them anyways. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We were we were at the store the other day for my mom's glasses, the glasses store. Um, and I just kept putting them on and I was making like faces and I was like, oh, oh, oh like a fashion show. <laughs> Your mom she she sent us pictures in the chat so we could help her choose her frames. So we had kind of a fashion show too. And it's yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's the thing, is like Christian Dior, Tiffany, um, there's all these designers that are like really expensive designers and now they design glasses. These so are that, Tom Fords that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that people feel beautiful. Yeah, like Gucci. Gucci. Um, Gucci. And, and I, I have to say like there's, there's an art to finding the right shape and color for your face and to you know but everybody's glasses are like that's one of my favorite fashion accessories is because they're so personal to that person they tell you so much about that person before they can say anything about them, like themselves mm -hmm. which glasses were your favorite oh of your mom's yeah cat's eye glasses i'm a, I'm a whore for cat's eye glasses me too those are the ones i got Good. They were so pretty. Yeah. Right towards the end, Barbie says, um, I want to be a part of the people who give things meaning. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. Yeah. I I was a little sad that the way she got to give things meaning was going to her gyno. But <laughs> uh, I actually wondered how you felt about that. I was I was very upset the first time. After Melissa like throughout the way she thought about it i'm like okay i'm i'm not mad about the gyno scene anymore because it is really funny um but it was it was that jump from like i want to mm -hmm. i want to be someone who imagines and gives things meaning and now it's like you know however i i don't i don't think it's cool to say si se puede but if somebody had done that before i went to the the gynecologist for the first time i think i probably would have felt like Supported I don't know what love. that means. Yeah, what what's the specific thing? Meaning? Are we putting you on the spot? I mean, to, so I know it technically <laughs> means like yes, you can or yes, they can. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it was specifically for like a labor movement in oh. the sixties. Melissa probably yeah, but it's more. been co-opted politically to try and court oh. the Hispanic vote. Yeah. So yeah. Like, si se puede, yes, we can, or like, um, instead of, you know, like, like a, a common saying in Spanish is vaya con Dios, like, go with God. And they're like, vaya con Clinton, you know, vaya <gasps> con whoever. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's you lovely. know, they co opt a lot of shit to try and court our vote, which is part of the reason why so many Hispanics are voting Republican now. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but that's part of it. It's just the pandering you know what i mean mm -hmm. um, i would not think you were pandering if you said that kit by the way oh, um you. 
Yeah. So. Next time you're going to the gynecologist, let me know and I'll, I'll text <laughs> I do need to go, but I just don't feel like getting my tit squished right now. So. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> And I don't know about y'all, but but um, my my bestie, her gynecologist. When you get a mammogram, they give you a rose. It, like it, like we're gonna, we're gonna squish your tit when you want to cry. But, but here's a rose. <laughs> like, what a lollipop or something afterwards. <laughs> Does it become like the one in Belle and Beauty and the Beast? And <laughs> I'm like, bitch, give me some petals until the next time you need to make an appointment. Give me some tequila. (laughs) Give me a shot of tequila. It probably costs less than that damn rose. (laughs) Get more enjoyment out of it, and it'll help with the fucking pain. Maybe that should be your new business. It's like how they always put fast food next to the gym. Just put a bar next to the gyno's office. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I always said they should have two different types of pregnancy tests. One for moms that say yes or no. And then one for like the rest of us that has either a skull and crossbones or a martini glass. Uh, Here's uh, what you guessed. <laughs> Here's your choice. Choose wisely. No, really. Um, but speaking of, my, the other line I really liked is when uh, Ruth said, um, we mothers stand still so their daughters can look back and see how far they've come. I really liked that one. Me so too. Beautiful. I cried a lot. <laughs> I, I cried too, but I think for different reasons. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, any other lines that anyone would like to... No, but I thought of something else. Do you mind if I just bring this up? I want to see what y'all think. Um, so I, I know it's getting late. I don't know what time Skipper's bedtime is, but I hope I'm not keeping you too late. But um, oh wait, but you guys are an hour behind, so we're okay, right? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, it's ten o'clock here. Try we would be to- fine anyway. Oh, okay. Awesome. I just wanted to see what y'all thought, like. One of the things that made me happiest about this film was that it didn't try to go for some bullshit equality shit between the genders. It blatantly said that the Kens would, that they will give Kens as much power in Barbie land as women have in the real world, which is to say not enough, not nearly enough. They didn't try and, because I, I kind of was worried maybe halfway through the film that this was going to end with some compromise of equality or something and i i just don't want that you know (laughs) um because to me equality is not what we should be going for it's equity equity is different and and so when i see this equality shit i'm like what you know like like to give you an example like let's say the government was all of a sudden be like we're gonna give everybody a free car because equality and because of equality everybody gets the exact same car well there's a lot of rich assholes who don't need a ford fiesta or some shit right and so that's not going to do them any good but then there's other people who are maybe too tall for that car or have like they're in a wheelchair and it's not meant to carry somebody in a wheelchair you know what i'm saying so like equality doesn't work because not everybody is equal in their needs 
or their their where they are in life, right? So equity is what we should be going for. And I was worried that they were going to try some bullshit 50-50 compromise. And I'm glad they didn't. They were kind of ruthless in that way. And it's maybe my favorite thing about this movie. So I don't know how anybody else feels. I'm, I'm clapping. Yeah, I'm, I'm clapping in my head. So The same way that when we first saw the movie, Prue clapped at the end of America Ferrera's first, like her monologue, mm-hmm. Prue 100% started clapping in the theater, like on her own. And I was so proud. But yes, it, it shouldn't be. It doesn't need to be. I'm glad that they did it the way they did. The way- my, dad, my dad asked me recently, why are you so angry all the time? And I said, because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, there's no way that you can even begin to imagine what, what that's like, you know, in your white heterosexual um, personhood. Yeah. I, I appreciate the sentiment behind the text that was sent out. It's like, this lets me know that women were controlling things all along. It's like, bullshit, F you. This is this is emphatically not the point of the movie. Um, sorry, I, I, I'm I love trying, it. Thank you. Trying really hard, um, but don't try. Let it all out. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I I think like I really loved America Ferrera's speech, and I think we've kind of talked around it. But one of the things that really spoke to me was like in the first speech, she's like, you have to be extraordinary and you have to be so creative and pretty. And the second one, she's like, but you can't stand out. And I was like, and I feel like that's very much like how it feels to be a professional as, you know, as a person who's, you know, born a, a woman, like, you have to be extraordinary you have to be smart you have to work harder than all the guys but you can't stand out and you have to like ask the questions that everybody's thinking but if you ask your own questions you're asking too many questions and why won't you stop talking like all that crap that kind of i feel i i deal with in the workplace i don't know if anybody else feels like they deal with that in the workplace but um it was it really that that really made me cry because it's like yeah yeah i think that's really hard i think you know i was talking with a friend of mine about her daughter because she um she struggles with one of her daughters and she's being very honest with me about it she's like i don't know how to help her i don't know how to relate to her i don't understand why she acts the way she does and the things that she does and how she does them. And she's like, sometimes I just want to say what in the actual F is wrong with you. I don't understand what's happening here. And I was in, you know, her, her kid has her own special set of, of trials and things, struggles that she's going to come up with. One of them is being on the spectrum to a certain degree. And I was giving her some tools and things to help her just like, reset and understand the way her kid is thinking a little bit better and not get as frustrated. And I said, one of the things that you want to be careful of is if you shut her down, if you get frustrated with her too much and she stops talking, you're going to have a really hard time getting her to talk again. And that leaves her susceptible to so many dangers in the world, because if she's already not talking to you, then you won't know if things are going wrong for her. And and I feel like that is something that um, that we do face. 
we do face this constant quieting and being told not to talk as much. And it left me in danger a lot. And so I think it's important to not tell people that they're talking too much <laughs> and, you know, let them have a voice. I'm so grateful that my kid was willing to, wanting to be on a podcast and share her voice. And I hope that all of us can have more of that in our lives. Um, never mind. Well, don't stop sharing your voice now. <laughs> Take up space. Well, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's okay. You're going to remember in the middle of the night. I know. That's, oh, that's the way it happens to me. I'm going to be sleeping peacefully, and then I'm going to wake up like, <gasps> and sit up, mm -hmm. and be like, that's what I was going to say. And then I'm going to uh, call everybody and tell you. Yeah, just send out a voice memo to the chat from your mom's phone and then in, yep. maybe like edit it in. Uh-huh. <laughs> just so y'all know, I did have to come to another room of the library to record so Prue and I weren't echoing against each other. And the room that I came into is called the Maker's Room. So they have like a 3D printer and they have an iPad Pro. And you can do Procreate and these different things. The whole time that we've been recording this, there is a guy sitting on one of the computers like next to me <laughs> listening to this whole conversation about, <laughs> about <laughs> and he just stood up and left and i was like hey thanks <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if i'd known that i would have gotten into what else happens at the gynecologist besides you <laughs> well he couldn't like, he couldn't hear you guys he could just oh. hear me but, um, <laughs> i asked him before we started because he was in here before me i was like do you mind if i record a podcast and he's like no not at all and i was like you have no idea Time. Well, um, the last thing that I, the last award that I wanted to give out or have you guys ask about, ask you about is if you could pick any of the discontinued Barbies for yourself or pick which one was your favorite of the discontinued Barbies, which discontinued Barbie would you have chosen? Growing up skipper. Nice. Pooping dog. <laughs> Pooping dog. <laughs> I think growing up Skipper would be so fun to have. Just to have, not even to use, just to be able to say, I have this. That would be great. <laughs> the problem is, is that eventually it's going to be like a party trick where you're going to have it when you're like six and be like, I have this. And your friends are like, ooh can i touch it no and then you're gonna find it when you're like in, at an embarrassing age when all your friends are over and then all of a sudden everybody is gonna be like pumping the boobs yeah um, cut yeah. her hair and yeah cutting her hair and trying to you know grow up her makeup and yeah it'll just it get it get rowdy i'm not saying don't do it i think it'd be an amazing I, like i i want to see yeah. the aftermath as well I would definitely have chosen Sugar's daddy. <laughs> I don't know why, but like I feel like I wish I had that in my life. I think it's because we wanted yeah. sugar. Like we'd have gotten sugar's sugar daddy so just to get sugar. 
Like, mm-hmm. there are some Barbies that you asked for another Barbie just because they didn't sell Barbie clothes. Like, I kind of liked that it was just, like, his only purpose was to take care of her. Yeah. And he yeah. was completely worthless otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, Kelly, would you have picked any of them? No, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm seriously thinking of going out and buying the first Barbie I've gotten since I was a little girl. Because they have the actual weird Barbie out. <gasps> they, they do? They have an actual weird Barbie. It's um, They put it on Instagram, on the Barbie Instagram it's an she looks great doll. I would <gasps> rock that dress so fucking hard. I would oh my gosh. Her. I want to be her for Halloween. I, you know, I still don't know what I'm going to do for Halloween because I'm going to be on a cruise. I'm going to be in the middle of the ocean on Halloween. I really want to do something nice. But I'm that searching. weird Barbie is giving me life right now. And I, that's the one I want. It's not a discontinued Barbie, but I... I can't believe I'm going to fucking go buy a Barbie, y'all, I, at the age of 26, <laughs> having not received a new Barbie for at least 30 oh my gosh. years. I'm going to go buy myself. I've never bought myself a Barbie. They've always been gifts that I didn't want, you know? They have <laughs> it. Like herpes or something, you know? Yeah. But, like, they just stick around, you know? But I, I want this Barbie. Ships on or before May 31st, 2024. It looks so good. I want it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought she was available now. Yeah. I feel like that's that's a, something they must have missed out on. Like She should be available out now. Oh. That is my favorite outfit yeah. I've ever seen on a Barbie. That's great. I don't remember any of the other discontinued Barbies. Um, there was Magic Earring Ken. There was TV in her back Barbie. Oh, there was uh, oh. Stacy and Midge and Allen. Midge and Allen actually had another couple that were also, but they also got discontinued. Um, and then there was Babysitter Skipper with the three babies. Oh, no, I would um, not be that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. What um, were so Growing Up Skipper. And I think those Did are the major ones. Yeah, I, I can't think of one that I would choose. And I don't Maybe the TV in her back, because that just sounds interesting. Wasn't there um, a blonde pregnant Barbie, too? No. I thought there was. Not that I know of. Hmm. But... Well, folks, I think that's all she wrote. Thank you for joining us today as our panel of Barbies and being the presidency we wish we could have. Uh, Next week on the podcast, we're going to be watching another movie I haven't seen. Does anyone remember the name of it? Uh, Indiana Jones and the Tomb of the Crystal Skull. That's the one, the Crystal Skull. Thank you. Kingdom of Kingdom, the Sorry, Indiana Jones and the movie they should not have made. <laughs> That's the one! So oh. we will go from the joys of a land of Barbie to a land of Indiana Jones. Um, so join us next week. If you haven't seen Barbie, go see it at least three times. You'll thank yourself <laughs> later. As we all thank all of you for joining us here on Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye. Don't give us a kiss. Keep it to yourself. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Alan. Bye, Alan.
Part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.